so I need some help. The next retrospective I'm planning to do for Zanan Canada is on the anime that aired on Radio Canada in the 80s and early 90s. I'm talking about World Masterpiece Theatre, Abator, Goldorak, all those titles. Uh, what I need is someone who can come on the show and talk with me about it. Uh, I'm looking for someone who, ideally, can speak decent English, actually watched this stuff when it aired on Radio Canada originally, and is able to talk at length about the cultural importance of these titles. If this describes you, or someone you know, please drop me a line either in the contact form at zonan.ca uh, or through email at zonancanada at gmail.com. With that out of the way, please enjoy the show. everyone, welcome to Zon and Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Today on the show, I'm joined by Cameron Archer. Uh, he's the webmaster of Glorioski. Hello. Hey, Cameron. So, uh, could you take a, a quick second and just kind of, you know, introduce Glorioski, what uh, what the site's all about, or kind of the, the story behind it? Uh, it's a Canadian uh, television and media website. It's, uh, it's been around since around uh, 2004, but it's been a television website since uh, 2008. Been covering Canadian television. I've uh, written for uh, uh, places also uh, such as TVA and uh, a Canadian screenwriter. So you're a Canadian media pundit, essentially. Oh, I pretend. To be, <laughs> I think. But you, you you follow. I think we all pretend to be. Why well, not? You you follow in in particular. You follow a lot of the sci-fi stuff on Canadian TV, including animation. Well, a lot of the sci-fi stuff and animation. You, you you generally focus a lot on chorus because uh, a lot of that stuff mm. does does fall under them and uh, that's something that we're we'll oh, yeah. talking about quite a bit uh, this episode. Um, first, I kind of wanted to just uh, touch on something else. So this year, I went again to Anime Revolution. Uh, that's the anime convention in here in Vancouver. Uh, Cameron, have you been to a, an anime convention at all in like the last three to four years? I've never. Well, I haven't. No, I have not been to an anime event. Or if any, if anyone has been to an anime convention in the last three to four years, including Fan Expo, which we we mustn't forget, started as an anime convention a uh, long, long time ago. You you may have noticed that there's been a lack of industry presence, at least in the the Canadian conventions. This is this is something that's been happening in a lot of conventions across North America, but in particular, um, Canada has uh has has been very lacking in in industry representation. In fact, in 2015, Anime North in Toronto was actually the second largest anime convention in North America, um, but it had no in industry representation whatsoever. Uh, this year they fared a little better. They had they had Crunchyroll, they had um, Funimation, and uh, Pony Canyon of all of all companies was there too. Our Pony Pony Can USA, who I guess is trying to make more of a uh, a presence in in Canada because they were at uh, they were at Anime Revolution in Vancouver as well. So, and which is which is good because Anime North, in all likelihood, is also probably the second largest anime convention in the past year as well. Um, but the thing is that even in those cases, the uh, the the presence is pretty small. They will the the cons will generally send one rep up uh, alone. They don't really bring anything more than a PowerPoint presentation. Um, so it's it's a pretty a pretty minimal presence. They uh, you know Crunchyroll won't bring their their you know, their crunchy cast uh, equipment or, or, or staff up here, which is unfortunate to not have that at the second largest convention in North America, I would say. But uh, yeah, in Crunchyroll, uh, after not being there for, for a year, was at Anime Revolution. Um, and uh, a couple of things happened. One, they, they actually had two panels. They had kind of a preview panel the first day and then their actual 
uh, Q&A panel the second day. The first day I talked to Victoria, who's, who's the rep there, and I asked her if there was going to be any kind of word soon on the announcements of the, the dub cast for you know Gintama and those other shows that they're dubbing and releasing on home video soon because you know word has basically broken out already that that Gintama is being being dubbed in Canada even though it hasn't been officially announced yet um i know i mentioned on twitter that um that that uh, she said that the announcement was going to be made at the, at the Q&A panel the next day um i either she was told that she couldn't make that announcement or i just completely misinterpreted what she said because no announcement was actually made of that at the the Q and A uh, the next day, which was a very full panel, I, I have to say. And uh, I noticed that there were some particular uh, Vancouver-based voice actors who were uh, sitting in the front row of that convent at, at that particular panel who looked a little disappointed at the lack of an announcement. So I don't know I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, they also didn't make any announcements of the these Canadian casts at uh, at Oticon the next week either. So. You know, who, who knows what's up with that? Um, I'm hoping that we hear some news on that soon. But um, th- there's just an observation that I made. I know when I went to SakuraCon uh, earlier this year, I uh, went to the Crunchyroll panel there. And, you know, if you've been to a, an industry panel at one of these conventions, you know that they're usually a complete waste of time. They These companies will, you know, maybe pick one convention out of the entire circuit a year and make one big announcement at that. Um, the rest of the time, they're just showing promos and repeating the same announcements that you can get online and basically just attaching a, a sort of energetic face to the company. At, at SakuraCon, um, they had a Q&A session at, at, with, for Crunchyroll and like no, but nobody, they could not get anybody to come up and ask a question. Nobody was, was interested in actually engaging with them. They just wanted to, you know, hear all the announcements and, and leave. Uh, which is a stark contrast to, you know, what you have, would have found earlier or in the previous decade when people would just line up and, and hound them with questions for for as long as they could. Um, interestingly, Anime Revolution, I found, was quite a contrast. Um, like, people were lining up and were just, it was a huge line. So many people wanted to get that FaceTime with Victoria and ask her questions. They had... I found people had really interesting questions, too. It wasn't just, like, have you licensed this title? It was really specific questions about, you know, availability or um, or the extent to which certain t- titles were available in Canada versus other countries or sort of the mechanics about how all that works so that they could have an easier time finding content. There was one woman who even ha- had a complaint about how um, they would run sort of graphic ads for, for some anime during other shows or in between other shows that were that had lighter content i know she she raised a concern that she had a um an autistic cousin or something who she, that she was watching programs with and and it scared her and i i i found i found like little little bits of feedback like that to be really interesting but o- overall it seemed people were really just so desperate to get that that facetime and interaction in and victoria was at other panels at anime revolution as well uh, like um women in anime industry and, and a couple more and those panels were almost derailed by um people asking industry questions to her um i i just found it really interesting that uh that 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 thirst is so present at least in vancouver i don't know if it's the same at uh at the the conventions further east in the country um but i, I think that's really representative of definitely a lack of attention that the Canadian audience is getting through through industry. I, I think there's like a notion that um, you know people that that they're not being engaged the same way that 
you'll find in, in, in U.S. cities. Maybe this is just two extreme examples that I happen to notice within uh, a short a short frame of time. But, you know, I think I, I think it's just worth pointing out that that kind of disparity is there. Um, I don't know. Cameron, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the problem with the uh, anime in Canada is uh, and it's, I don't know. I'm not sure how big the uh, industry is in America, but uh, yeah, it's, I've noticed that it has been uh, uh, becoming more of the uh, Japanese companies are uh, coming to America. I mean, uh, NIS is uh, sorry. Sort of skipping over the middlemen and, and doing more direct distribution. Yeah. If there's uh, Pony Can USA and uh, Anaplex of America, which would be, uh, I believe, Sony's thing. Yeah, Anaplex is connected to Sony. Although it's worth noting that the people yeah. who who actually run Anaplex of America were the people who ran Genion uh, back in the '90s that di- that uh, distributed stuff like Trigun, yeah. which you know was was already kind of a a high end label back then, uh, and now they've just sort of elevated that uh, and have been kind of successful in doing so as well. They uh they they understand the market. It, actually, at the PonyCan USA panel I went to. At, uh, at Anime Revolution, there was a really funny comment. Somebody asked them why they're not dubbing their content, like, say, Anaplex does. Um, and the the rep mentioned that their first dub, which was for Yuki Yuna is a Hero, which I believe you can see on Netflix, uh, they, are, they actually still have not made their money back from that investment. Um, which I find really funny because they their products are ludicrously expensive. Um, and and they yet they still have not been able to sort of make back that money. Uh, which is a stark contrast to Anaplex, which is which has been producing many dubs. So, yeah, it, you you have certain companies that are that are are certainly better at that approach than others, but it's it's definitely marking a, a change. Yeah, I mean there are still some uh, some people from the like the 1990s and 2000s still around. Oh yeah, Media Blasters is still. <laughs> yeah, so why they're they seem to. They they seem to like hone in on just the the skeeviest titles that they could they could possibly grab, and then sit on them for like two and a half years, and then like finally release them on burned DV uh, burned DVDRs uh, that uh, don't won't play on yeah. PS2s. Yep. Well, you know Funimation's uh, also a company. I mean they they've uh, periodically had. Uh, I mean they have a few Canadian titles too, like in the live action. I believe they. Uh, Distribute the uh, Dark Matter DVDs. Yeah, and Lost. And that show just got renewed for season three today. How how is that show? Exactly. I uh, I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. I know, I mean, it's um well I haven't seen much of the second season. I mean it's um I'm I'm not sure you compare it to. I think it's been compared to uh, Firefly. It, yeah, it's good for what it is. It's a summer show. Okay, so to be sure, but uh, you know it's pretty good. I and mean, I'm just saying it's pretty good for what it is. And Kill Joys and uh, Dark Matter. It's yeah, it, if you're not, if you're not, you know, they're kind of in the. Uh, if, if you're not familiar, um, yeah. Dark Matter is uh, created by uh, the Joseph yeah, Malavi. Yeah, the uh, who is the showrunner on Stargate SG One, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, he's the Stargate. Yeah, one of the Stargate guys who would. Yeah, in fact, yeah, they're both the Stargate guys, as I remember. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's interesting that that Funimation has their their foot in that um, Canadian sci-fi. Uh, Live action kind kind of niche um, and yeah but and they also, but it's through uh, Prodigy Pictures though um, they also distributed if I remember correctly it was uh, thirteen the conspiracy so they I'm not sure what's there I think the Prodigy has an output deal with Funimation yeah yeah other um, I'm trying to remember um, I mean it's Canadian home video it's pretty much uh, the shows can be scattered throughout E1 and uh, Acorn Media. 
BSC used to put out a lot of stuff. I haven't seen any TV titles from them in years. Yeah, it's it like things are so it, it's so messy and uh, Funimation is unique, kind of unique because they don't distribute most of their titles through a like ancillary Canadian company. So they you're you're getting the U.S. release direct here, um, which is which is very uncommon. It's not as uncommon as you might think. Well, at least we get it, unlike with uh, Warner. Warner's distribution of Adult Swim titles. Uh, I mm. still haven't been able to get my Rick and Morty Season 2 Blu-ray because uh, Warner released the DVD of that in Canada, but not the Blu-ray. And Amazon.ca has been unable to uh, secure any copies to um, to send to people, even though they have it listed as, as an import on their site. I've been waiting since May. So, yeah, that blows. Yeah, Amazon, uh, Amazon.ca really needs to an overhaul. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> there's there they they are only one part of that problem for sure but uh yeah they <laughs> they they need a they need an overhaul especially since so many people depend on them i mean in so many parts of the country they're like they're like the lifeline for for getting any kind of home home video yeah that that, that stuff was an interesting way for funimation to to kind of diversify their their catalog um uh and i i think that they've scaled back on their their giant ape stuff but it's still you know they still they still got their foot in there for sure. Yeah, time will tell if they uh, end up like ADV. <laughs> I think because, uh, uh, because ADV had the Beastmaster uh, Firescape um, one time. I forget what else they had, but uh, Funimation. Yeah, they used, Funimation's decision sorry. to release uh, that 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 uh, Shimonetta show with a with a sock, um, which has interesting connotations, of course. It just it, that that totally just makes me think of a an, an ADV move, like how they would pack. Um, pack panties inside their their Najika DVD release. So, uh one one thing I also wanted to to address here. Now, I uh I know that this podcast is focused on anime and Canadian media and that's supposed to represent all forms of 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 media and all the little intersections that take place there. There is a tendency for us to focus very extensively on television a lot of the time. Uh you might wonder why that is uh because there's this, you know, permeating sense that that television is dead which i don't believe is the case um you could argue that the the television industry in canada is 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 dead or dying uh that does not mean that the medium of television um is is uh dead or or antiquate even antiquated in any way um but you may wonder why we focus so much on it uh i mean the truth is it is just sort of a personal kind of fixation and obsession of mine and i love talking about it and the like absolute diehard uh, fans of this show, the, the 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 real kind of central audience, um, absolutely loves that stuff too. It is it is definitely a big part of the show for them. I I don't know if that's the case for everybody, especially since I think I've been gathering a lot of new uh, new listeners recently. Um, so I'm not sure if this is kind of alienating for people. Um, uh, this is actually actually this is something I'd love to hear feedback from uh, from from members of the audience on. Remember, you can always email me zonancanada at gmail.com or tweet me at zonancanada I, I would love to hear thoughts of of viewers if uh if they like the the tv stuff on this show or if i if i need to diversify a little more um again i know it, it works for some people it may be very off-putting for for others uh nonetheless um for this show in particular this particular episode of the podcast the rest we're mostly going to be talking about recent developments with with tv stuff um and it is again mostly about chorus, Adult Swim, Teletoon, which even though they they 
again, still are not airing anime, uh, just as was the case when we started this show and was just as was the case 15 years ago. Um, I think it is still very much important to keep them on the radar because they're still some of the broadcasters where that stuff is most likely to show up. And also they have their foot in, you know, the Adult Swim, Adult Skewing kind of content uh, that very much overlaps with with anime. And then that overlaps with the Canadian animation industry, which has, you know, very, very uh, related issues. So I that's my reasoning for, for kind of keeping a, um, a spotlight on this stuff. That said... Uh, we now have the full fall schedules for both uh, Teletoon at Night and Adult Swim, and there have been some uh, there have been some very interesting developments uh, on that front, wouldn't you say, Cameron? Oh yeah. <laughs> so if you've been following this at all, uh, you may remember that last fall, uh, Adult Swim uh, uh, became available on. Well, it was available on about five million homes. They shut down Teletoon Retro, and they gave uh, some of the. Uh, cable presence over to disney channel yeah which is has like which is said to have like 10 million subscribers but honestly i don't really see the uh, much of the evidence uh i wouldn't doubt that, but i mean they are on like i wouldn't doubt that a lot of people are watching disney channel but uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if those if those numbers were padded for sure yeah i'm i'm pretty sure and so cartoon network is supposed to have like five million uh, uh like a five million uh, subscriber reach whatever metric they use to uh yeah Justify that number. Yeah. And, and anyway, the big the big deal was regard like in all this mess, uh, Adult Swim had now like their reach had massively increased. And so the, before that point, the the Adult Swim well, I mean Adult Swim is a network in the U.S. I think it's pretty pretty much safe to say it's just a block here in Canada. Um, it had sort of been just kind of frozen. Uh, they weren't running anything from beyond 2008. Um, and it was just sort of it almost seemed to be in stasis. So with the expansion of uh, of reach, um, there was an expectation that they would be uh, delivering new content. Um, and they kind of hyped up the announcement. And lo and behold, they had no new Adult Swim originals or not even Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty did come a few months later. Um, but yeah, but they did have a lot of Fox ADHD. They, they did, which I don't think they I think they originally purchased for Teletoon at night. But the thing is. That in this effort to expand Adult Swim, the original plan very much seemed to be the, killing the Teletoon at Night brand uh, over on Teletoon. Uh, because I guess it makes sense that you'd only need to run one uh, block targeting viewers of adult animation. Um, so uh, between that time and then the next spring, they started kind of eroding the Teletoon at Night block. In it, and this it was scheduled to be taken off the air completely in March. But they uh, had a last-minute change of heart and restored it as a two-hour or a, a three-hour block um, at the last minute. Now here, in fall 2016, um, Teltoon and Adult Swim have done a complete 180 reversal on their strategy within a one-year period, which does not happen with uh, very often in the world of television to have, to have a plan be uh, usurped that quickly. Now, Teltoon at Night has actually expanded. Uh, they've gained back all those Fox shows, uh, Futurama, Family Guy, uh, American Dad. And I should also note that uh, Family Guy and American Dad are now running every day, um, whereas they were on very limited contracts before. I believe Teletoon has a sharing agreement uh, with FXX Canada on those ones. Am I am I right about that? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure myself. Yeah. Uh, but they do. I mean, I know they have an output. They, they have a deal with Fox to get some shows, uh, distribute some of the, the, their shows on the air. Yeah. 
it's some kind of wonky deal for sure but they can those shows have more presence now um and meanwhile adult swim has been reduced to a three-hour block between 9 and 12 on cartoon network um from 12 onwards they are actually now playing uh 90s nostalgia cartoon network shows they got like johnny bravo ed ed and eddie courage the cowardly dog those those titles running uh every night from 12 to like or something which i i'm i'm kind of on the fence about that it'll i mean it'll probably bring in the audience they want um on the other hand i am very much anti-nostalgia i think that that as a 90s kid i think that 90s nostalgia may be one of the uh the worst developments to ever happen in uh in mass culture <laughs> but we'll see how that plays out per- perhaps more alarmingly than this big dramatic change is the fact that there are no new series at all uh, between either of these two networks, um, which if I, I mean, they haven't announced anything yet, but I'm there's, no, there's nothing. In, I mean, there's definitely nothing in September between these two. Uh, and it, if I'm not mistaken, this no. is almost unprecedented, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure myself, because usually Teletoon will debut one new show a year. Yeah. On average. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, last year, uh, the shows that they did debut, they debuted about uh, they, they debuted Night Sweats, but that was basically uh like they were gonna air Night Sweats on Byte, but Byte uh, rebranded. The, the, the Byte was owned by Blue Ant Media. They were a comedy station. Um, they rebranded to Makeful. So um, Night Sweats was going to air on Teletoon, but uh, they kind of pushed that up um, to fall 2015 because Byte didn't exist anymore. It was basically a compilation of web uh, cartoons uh, based on the Byte on Mondo initiative. Yeah, and it was supposed to air on Teletoon at night, and then it wound up getting sent over to uh, Adult Swim Canada at the last minute because of a a, a change, probably some kind of change in plan that wanted to put all the effort over to Adult Swim Canada and prop up that brand, despite the fact that they did not have the actual Adult Swim content to to pop it up. Uh, but right. yeah, um, so I, I like I don't know. Do you do you have any thoughts at all as to why? They're 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 pu- they're pushing the strategy in this direction. Like I, I know they have Adult Swim on, uh, on mobile right now. Yeah, the Adult Swim the, app, the little uh, SVOD uh, offering, and that's going through straight from Turner to uh, your device. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know why Chorus didn't uh, kind of nail that down. I don't know what they're doing with Adult. I don't know why they have Adult Swim aside from uh, if they're not going to air a lot of the shows. Yeah, because you you you, you did confirm with them recently that they they did they actually renewed their contract with Adult Swim too, along with the Cartoon Network. I know they did renew um, the contract, but it was morally of an adjunct to Nelvana and Cartoon Network having a merchandising deal. That was around uh, July, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard anything uh, else about what they're going to do with Adult Swim uh, with the block. The social media presence has been uh, greatly scaled back. I mean, I know I'm not sure what they're going to do with Inspector Bronco. Maybe that's the uh, maybe they're going to do something with that come 2017. Uh, for, somehow, but, I don't think that they'll even know what they're going to do with that until a week before it. Ends. Or they but, put it on Teletoon at night. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, it, it's I, it's weird. Um, yeah, it, the the whole Adult Swim app situation almost seems like you know the result of some kind of fight that was going on where they where Chorus just kind of gave up. I don't, I don't know if that's happened, but it's worth noting that. Cartoon Network stuff is still not streaming in Canada at all. Uh, it makes me wonder if T- Turner is trying to do something similar with that brand, but uh, of course is actually t- 
taking them up on that fight. Like last year, they were making a big push for the brand, and uh, somehow around March when they were giving a day and day with uh, Archer Season 7, I I guess Chorus decided that, you know, Del Doom was their brand, or should I should say, you know, like one of many, because they pretty much have the... Uh, uh, kids market sewn up in Canada. Well, they have half the television market sewn up in Canada now that uh, they've merged yeah. with Shaw Media. And that's another thing um, that's probably complicated uh, any strategy that they might have with adult animation as well. But you have to wonder, like, what, what the the main strategies are for kids and uh, women. Yeah. That's always been. That's pretty much uh, been Course's MO for many years, since maybe since the beginning. I mean, they've always wanted to tell a tune. I mean, so they always wanted to tell a tune. I mean, it was started around uh, 1997. It was part of a, a consortium with uh, Wick, I believe, and Astral, and I forget who else. It was it was a real hodgepodge kind of kind of deal. And I kind of liked them when it was a hodgepodge. <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was it was a more interesting situation. Um, although you could argue that now with uh, with choruses and DHX as two separate entities, this is the first time that we've had that we're seeing real competition in the the, the kids area because. Before everyone was just it was kind of a, a more of a stalemate of, uh, of of sort of weird halfway agreements. The weird thing about DHX Media is that there are some shows that still air on uh, Chorus yeah. uh, channels, but I think there are agreements that were made before uh, DHX Media bought Family Channel, which uh, in and of itself was divested from what was once Astral. What, what one of the things that has come out of this merger is that uh, Chorus has expanded their horizons beyond simply uh, women and women women which is kind of a ridiculous designation for 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 television and telling of how these how this stuff works all the time or how this idea of a general audience works um but they are uh they they have now apparently moved teletoon at night and adult swim canada which were always kind of buried under the chorus kids designation which pretty much guaranteed they're going to be at the bottom of the totem pole in all cases after they're up front they released videos summarizing all the content and which uh part of the company it falls under and uh adult swim and and television at night were now classified under the chorus general entertainment section under just chorus television um which basically means the, the adult men um faction of new faction of course which uh mostly includes the properties inherited from shaw media now so obviously i don't know what's going on but it seems that that in addition to all this chaos going on that they are being transferred over to this other division and that's kind of contributing to all the chaos um but i i will say that just if you look at this from a purely branding uh point of view it kind of makes sense to 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 put this emphasis on television at night because it is their brand uh, and it's a it's a it's a pretty well developed one, um, and it's one that is quite different from Adult Swim, I would argue, because uh, Teletoon Night's more of a laid back kind of brand, whereas Adult Swim Canada is more more subversive, more unpredictable uh, kind ki- kind of kind of feel. Even though they, I I'm not sure if Chorus even really understands that with the, the way they've been approaching the brand lately. Um, but Teletoon Night has expanded to eight, and it's been follow and it's following Teletoon La Nuit's uh, on the, the French version of Teletoon at night's uh, lead on that which is actually now starting at seven o'clock uh they they, they're pushing it really early uh which may which i i can understand because apparently that is one of the that is like the station for millennials in in the quebec market well it it is worth pointing out and this you know i uh this this may be where the the funding has been been put this uh this season but uh la nuit in, in in addition to their expansion is also premiering the mike ward show uh, if you're not familiar with Mike Ward, 
he's this basically giant asshole or uh, a comedian anyway who uh, is being sued by the uh, Quebec's human Quebec's human rights tribunal uh, for uh, making a joke about this uh, this kid named Je- uh, Jeremy Gabriel who had a uh, you know a medical condition a, a deformity of some kind and you know he had he, he got to sing in front of the Pope because of it and Mike Ward made this joke that five years later the kid hasn't died yet because uh, the kid was given that opportunity despite the fact that he doesn't have a uh, life-threatening disease just one as Mike Ward commented made him very ugly and he feels that uh taxpayers should feel ripped off by that that started a huge controversy surrounding free speech uh and i guess not really not my place to make a moral decision on uh a moral judgment on what he did even though i guess i kind of did by calling him an asshole um but the point is that after that controversy ignited it seemed that chorus media the the french branch of chorus just couldn't give him a show fast enough and they they put him on the one station where I guess they figured he would fit best, which was Teltun La Nuit. Um, so that might explain where the money has all gone this season. I'm uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. Well, I mean, the thing is, they just never really announced anything else for, uh, like, either Teltun at Night or uh, Adult Swim. So I don't really tell. I mean, they were pretty late to announcing anything for Adult Swim last year. Yeah. Um, and Teltun at Night, as is there a... This is becoming really kind of typical nowadays. They, they do have one uh, one show has new episodes airing. Uh, it is actually Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Uh, they're, they're actually skipping straight to the season eight. What, what's one called? Aqua Unit Patrol Squad One or? They they skipped seasons five through seven, which I guess is fine because those aired on G4 Tech TV years ago anyway. Maybe we'll finally at least be able to say that Aqua Teen Hunger Force aired in its entirety in, in Canada if they did, if they have gotten the rest. Yeah, like if they've got any Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> it could it could just be a mistake. It could be. And because they haven't really announced anything uh, as of the time that this is being recorded. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to say. It's just, oh, it does a crap to aside from the night. What? Sorry, aside from the Mike Ward show and Teletoonit. Teletoonit and we. It's all just kind of a, it's all just kind of a way to see him approach, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they, they haven't, yeah, this is all going by TV list. So this is where we yeah. got all our information from. Um, it's, it's also worth pointing out that Teletoon apparently applied for a bunch of changes to their their license as well, uh, so that their their current license has a lot of conditions trying to make the distinction between the kids' hours and the adult hours like crystal clear, and they're they're trying to erode that a little bit, um, probably because they're finding that that particular market is a little less saturated. Maybe they may be shifting Teletoon more towards a more typical broad audience uh, station that just happens to air some children's content during the day, which is more what they've... Yeah, YTV with Lemon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, for their daytime schedule, anyway. But, I mean, Cameron, I know you're you're a fan of, of the Adult Swim brand. It seems they're, they're not giving it up completely. Uh, I suspect that they're keeping it running solely so that they can have Rick and Morty premieres later on down the line, because, as I understand it, uh, Turner will not allow Rick and Morty to air anywhere... Um, unless it is attached to the Adult Swim brand, which is why they probably haven't moved that show to Teltoon at night. And I, I think the only exception internationally is uh, is Japan, where Rick and Morty is on Netflix. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thought uh, as, as an Adult Swim fan. Uh, do you think that the this app that they've launched, do you think that that is basically going to be like the sole substantial presence of Adult Swim here moving forward? Not that they ever had much before, but... <laughs> Well, I'm I'm really not sure because it's been the Adult Swim brand has really kind of had a spotty history over the last few years. I mean, the shows were airing on uh, G4 for a while, 
like from uh, around 2009 to uh, 2012. Um, and then uh, the reason I think they were moved off D4 was because um, they didn't really fit the uh, terms of license at the time. Of course, uh, because uh, they are kind of phasing out the category A, category B, uh, CRTC uh, regulations. That's there. the funny thing about Teletoon making those changes to their license is that the fact that they still have to. Because once that category A and B designation is gone, stations can basically do what they want. And I'm. Do you yeah. know when that's going to happen? I was under the. I, I was under the belief that it actually already had happened. And they're calling it. The, they call it discretionary services now. And I think everything gets finalized next year or 2000. But by 2017, 2018. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, at this point, okay. G4 is a lame duck, though. So. Yeah, but G4 was a lame duck when it was airing the ADD block. It really yeah. was. Aside, that's all they really had. Aside from, because uh, I remember. Uh, the programming that wasn't from Adult Swim. Um, I think they were still airing Last Call with Leo Laporte, whatever that show was called. Like, you know, the reruns of uh, of his, of the uh, of his little yeah. uh, tech TV show. I can't remember there. the name of the show, but I, uh, I, I, rem- I remember it. It was Call for Help with Leo Laporte. So, yeah, uh, if you're not familiar with, with what happened, G4, TV, uh, G4 Tech TV had their uh, adult digital distraction block where they where they picked up a bunch of Adult Swim shows around 2000 uh, 2008 because Teletoon just I guess didn't want them anymore at that point and but then while they were while they still and they they ran that for a few years and they you know ran through uh Aqua Teen Hunger Force up through season seven uh they ran I think I think the first three seasons of Super Jail uh they they beat season four of Venture Brothers all most of them, they covered a lot of the adults with catalog in that time but then they uh, yeah. they had and some of the adult sorry some of the uh, live action shows too from Adult Swim they had Eagle Heart um, um, NTSS SD SUV Children's Hospital they aired now I th- before that went to Much Music yep. or Much, much or, yeah. <laughs> whatever they want to call it now and but yeah they had to stop airing it and then but when they still had the rights to that program to those programs then Adult Swim can or uh, Chorus got the, or Teletoon rather, got the Adult Swim Canada license, but they weren't actually able to license any of that content because G4 Tech TV was sitting on it. And then I'm guessing that by the time it became available, they didn't see it as a worthwhile investment, which is probably the reason why we're not we're not seeing it uh, seeing it now. Um, so it's been like a really frustrating situation if if you feel that Adult Swim should have uh, any kind of cultural space in Canada, which I think I think they should. Uh, I don't know if you think I, I'm not sure if you're happy with it just being a, a a niche thing with with those in the know, but I think I think it absolutely deserves to have cultural space. And have you have you tried the app? Have you have you used it? No, I have not used it. Yeah, app. like it's good in that they have a a decent selection. Although I have to point out that a lot of stuff is starting to disappear from it. Um, it had all the episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast for a while. Uh, now that they have they have actually gone in and pruned out all of the uh, sort of problematic copyright episodes. Which is only a handful of them, but they're still they're still gone. Um, you know, I regret not watching them while I had the chance. And there are enti- a couple of entire like half of season two and all of season three of the Eric Andre show is gone for some reason. Um, and there's a, f- a few other things disappearing. So I guess they didn't have the uh, the blanket rights for a lot of that stuff that they uh, that they thought they did. But it, it's still you know the only way to watch a lot of the stuff in in Canada. But man, it's like. It's a re- it's still a really wonky kind of app. They have Chromecast for if you have Google, but you know you know you can't actually multitask while using the Chromecast, uh, which which sucks. You have to run it through either your Google account or your Apple account, 
Uh, you, there's no way to watch it on a, la- on a on a laptop, which is unfortunate because I'm pretty sure that uh, viewing Adult Swim content on a laptop is how the vast majority of Adult Swim fans in Canada are used to watching that content at this point. Yeah, do they have uh, the Boondocks? No, they don't. Because I remember seeing that on Crackle. Because that's on Crackle. That, that is that is Sony's uh, that is Sony's territory. Right. I I really wish that they'd have Adult Swim kind of up and functioning properly because. The app has good content, but it lacks character. You don't get the the uh, the flow that you get with the American Adult Swim, which really is what makes it work. That's that's what makes that such a great station. Is that the way it jumps between the programs and the 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 cards and the the advertisements? It has a very pleasant flow that's fun to watch, and and Adult Swim Canada just is not able to function that way. If they are filler, they legend of filler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we have the the, the lack of tsunami, which I I still say um, is the least of the problems going on here. Yeah, they need tsunami. Yeah. I, at this point, I think the only hope is that you know maybe they will go for the new Samurai Jack, and then the Samurai Jack will carry that brand along with it. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like. <laughs> I, I will admit I had when I saw that they weren't premiering anything on weekdays I I had my hopes up a little that that's what they invested in but what they actually invested in was basically nothing so I I don't know what this says about the future of adult oriented animation in in Canada maybe maybe they're just delaying announcements due to all the the mess that's going on internally uh, maybe or maybe they just don't know what they're doing like I I, cause I don't I can't really tell with the cores at this point. I mean, because it's very messy on the kids' side too. Yeah. I mean, they did move a lot of the, quite a few of their shows like from YTV to Teletoon. I'm not sure where ABC Spark fits, but I think that might be uh, lumped in with the the quote unquote women. I, I category. think it's been transferred over there now. Yeah. Because it was under yeah. Chorus Millennials before. Yeah, whatever that was. Chorus Millennials was just Chorus Kids. <laughs> it was just under yeah. a different name. Um, but yeah, that that seems to be gone now. I was talking about the kids stuff. There's there's still major titles missing from Canada completely. Mirac- Miraculous Ladybug is nowhere to be seen, either broadcast or streaming, uh, and that's that's airing in most markets in the world right now. Well, it is airing in French Canada. Oh yeah, it, it is on Tele Quebec. You're right about that. Yeah. Yes. Very 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 right about that. And I I will also say that Adult Swim's new format, like the three hour format, I don't think it, I I could I think I could get behind it. It's uh they have Samurai Jack, Metalocalypse, um, uh, Robot Chicken every night. But in the middle, they always have like kind of one show that they're showcasing. On Monday, it's Rick and Morty. Tuesday, it's Venture Brothers. Wednesday, they have Adults uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Thursday, they have The Awesomes, which I, I could kind of get behind that idea of everything being Adult Swim branded content being focused on specifically, which kind of makes sense from a branding perspective. But it's not. They have The Awesomes in there for some reason. And then Friday is Frisky Dingo. I could get behind that if they were using that format to showcase new content, but they're not. It's all just the same reruns again. Uh, like, I, I I just don't even know what to say at this point. It's, I'm not even just reruns. It's reruns from like 10 yeah. years ago. I mean, it's it's neat that we get like the newer Aqua Teens on, the, on Saturday of all nights, but the rest is uh, it's, it continues to be a wasteland. Well, there is supposed to be this uh, show called The Pandas. They, they have... Uh, Oh, right. Uh, Bento Box Canada. Yeah, the Bento Box deal. I think we're still waiting on those. Um, I don't know. I'm... Yeah, that's the only thing they've announced so far, the pandas. That was last year. Yeah, I'm... And it hasn't uh, debuted yet, which is what a press release is good for. If you wanted to announce it, you should have announced it maybe uh, before Fan Expo. It was the... Um, it was... One of four shows they were producing, if I'm not mistaken, but that's the only one that's been announced so far. They had a deal with Teletoon, and they set up 
a studio in Toronto where they're apparently working on these adult-oriented shows for, for Gelatin at Night, but we just haven't heard anything about that. That's, that's disappeared off the radar completely. Uh, on that note, I am curious, Cameron. Um, did did you have you watched the the Inspector Bronco um pilot? No. I oh, haven't you haven't. Yet. Oh, you should. It's it's no. it's it's pretty good. I like it. I think I think it's well, it's not bad. Yeah, you have to wonder like you know sugar sugar sandy is pretty funny. I, I you know what I think that the the original like the the original Inspector Bronco shorts that it's based off of were like live action. Um, with like this guy in brown face doing, being an Indian cop, uh, and they're pretty bad, uh, I would say. I, I think that Sugar Sammy's just presence, even though it's not his show, um, just having him in that that lead role, I think has uh kind of straightened it out and kind of he I think I think he had a lot to say in in uh what was done and what wasn't done. Um, and I think that that has made at least the pilot worthwhile. Um, we'll see if it gets developed into a show, and if that show is any good. Yeah, I like it. I, I'm positive about it. Yeah. Uh, but it is a version show. You must, uh, that must come into play, because they've been airing a lot of... Well, they've aired two uh, English-language versions of uh, a French-language shows. Of course, there was a Knuckleheads. <laughs> and, Knuckleheads uh, is off the schedule. It's gone. Oh, is it off it schedule? It is off the schedule. <laughs> well, wait a year. I'll probably be on the schedule again. I don't yeah, know. it's not probably gone. Um it is awful, and I'm glad to see it not being uh, played to death like it was before. Yeah, and there was also Two Nuts and a Richard. That is on the schedule. Uh, yeah. So overall, I think that, you know, if we're looking at the state of adult animation in Canada, the state of, like, like just adult swim having this any kind of relevant cultural space, um, those those are both in, in pretty bad shape, or at the very least very, very up in the air. In a lot, in a lot of well, they do need an overhaul. It, that is for sure. Yeah, uh, an overhaul is needed. Maybe that will happen like in the next year. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it, this is our fault for being stuck in that, you know, all that mentality where all the big changes have to happen in September, which is a very antiquated way of doing things in television, anyway. Um, but yeah, the uh, the anime situation. I I know last year I was really positive about the idea of of anime showing up on Teletoon. I think there was reason for that because they were starting to shift in a superhero direction and they went back on that. Um, I, I have to say I'm a little less positive now. Uh, I'll, I'll never say never on that, uh, perhaps foolishly. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think Family Charge did say, uh, in some of their correspondence that they're looking into more stuff like Iron Man, uh, towards the end of the year. So I think it's worth keeping an eye on. Well, does that mean they're going to bring the rest of the Marvel anime? It could mean anything. It could mean anything. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it was a very vague PR kind of statement. Yeah, Family Channel is very weird in what it brings up. Yeah. And I think they brought up um, Masters of Illusion. Yeah, that's a that's a weird choice for Family Charged. Mm, well, I guess uh, whatever they feel the needs, uh, sorry, whatever they feel needs to fill airtime. It seems to be. Yeah, but uh, I, I would still, I, I think I can say safely say now that like the anime situation is probably like the worst out of all these these kind of these topics we, we focus on here um which is unfortunate because i i still say that there's a lot of relevant cultural space that anime can can take in in on canadian tv and i'd still like to see it happen i think that you know anime will reach a wider audience at this point probably if you put it on netflix or crunchyroll sure but if you put it on a, like a teletoon or or a like a family charger or something it will it will reach people who would otherwise not see it we haven't even seen attack on titan hair on tv yet which is which is absurd i mean you go into when you go into hmv you see doctor who merchandise you see 
Game of Thrones merchandise, and like right alongside it, perhaps even more prominently, depending on what city you're in, you see Attack on Titan, and it has that that kind of merchandised space. It's like it has that spot reserved for it within the the cultural kind of kind of malaise that's present there, but it's not present in on television or in that that kind of kind of centralized space that it that it's supposed to be in. It's like this big this big gap. And nobody wants to fill it for some reason. That just that still blows my mind that people would be resisting that. Or even Dragon Ball Z Kai. I feel like I'm just repeating myself. I keep saying this stuff over and over again. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. It almost seems like CBC has a more more likely chance of running anime at this point. Maybe that's what we should push well, for. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to see CBC run anime. Yeah, that would be uh I mean, that would make some sense for late night fare, at least. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, even though they're not really appealing to, like, the 18 to 34 crowd, and they it's CBC because they almost never do, but, I mean, this would be good for a late night programming, at least. Yeah, like midnight or something. I think it could work. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> it, it's it, it's as good a risk as any they can take right now. I mean, did you did you see, uh, did, did you watch 4 in the morning? Yeah, I've, I've got it. Yeah, I've got a tape that I haven't watched. Yeah, uh, you know what? I watched it uh, earlier today. It's a lot of hype. There, it's it's another. It, it in the at the end of the day, it is another CBC show. It's almost watchable, but yeah, you know, just the, like the white guy, the artsy guy with the ridiculous name that I can't remember. He is. He just has this hammy, over the top kind of CBC idea of of humor thrown in there that throws what could be an otherwise watchable show kind of off balance. And I, I was really disappointed by that element of it. Um, that, that said, tell, CBC is running good stuff, though, like uh, Baroness Von Sketch Show. I think it's really funny. And uh, I'm glad uh, Romeo section got renewed. I'm going to I'm gonna check that out for sure. That uh, I, re- I like this the first season of that one. And I have time to watch this stuff now because I'm done grad school, finally. And also got caught up on JoJo's, finally, the other night. That was, that was, that was pretty satisfying. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think... I still say there's there there's there's a place for anime in all this. I think it's important for anime to have a place in all this. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we might have like the, the conversation kind of has to, to shift on this. I mean, one of the things I'd like to see, um, I guess, with anime is you know to just have some sort of place and not to have branding like they had with uh, when Razor was around, where they called the uh, block Kamikaze. Yeah, that was that was. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of their uh, their approach with that. To to their credit, the people running the lineup on Razor. They, they at least understood what they were doing. They knew the material. I mean, they picked up Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Champloo at the same time. And at the time, those two those two titles were held by different companies. Um, so for them to know that you know they had that those two titles had a common director and a common audience and should be run together. I mean, they if they knew that much, then uh, that suggested that they were they had people who who knew their stuff on the inside, and that that kind of made it work. Um, the branding, yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty bad. Yeah, but and the sad thing is we haven't had a good anime block since then. Yeah, and that was around. I forget when they changed to MTV2. I think it was about eight years ago. And and what, how watchable has MTV2 been now? It's not trying to be watchable. It is just there to soak up subscriber dollars. That's it. And uh, I hope that, that I hope I hope when Pick and Pay comes out, it, it kills it. It probably won't. They'll probably just keep it around until they have some other convenient brand to slap on it i'm not sure what the uh, future of anime would be in canada i'm i'm just not sure it's going to be i'm not sure that television would be the the right place for it. oh yeah i, I mean it already is out elsewhere i mean there are problems with yeah i mean you can watch crunchyroll yeah, i mean it is on crunchyroll and and 2b tv they have a 
believe they announced uh, the Viz Media announced that they were airing Sailor Moon. They got Sailor Moon. And that, that's another thing. Uh, I think that maybe, maybe that, that kind of illustrates the, the importance here. When I say that Sailor Moon is streaming in Canada, that's huge. That's huge. That's really important. That's big. If I were to, if someone were to announce that Sailor Moon was airing on television in Canada, that would be bigger news. People would make a much bigger deal out of that. That would be a real cause for celebration for people because it, it, it has that that validation of being part of a, a more centralized cultural space in the end. That's still my perception. Well, Canada did make Sailor Moon in North America. It's true. I, yep. True. I mean, it, I know Deke Entertainment had the uh, had the rights, and they were trying to make it uh, make a big thing out of it in uh, America. But it did catch on a little bit more in Canada. Absolutely. You know, not I, I, trying to be not trying to brag and. Uh, we all love to brag about that. We all we all love that. It's in in Toronto. That's where all those uh, that's that's where all those Sailor Moon stage plays happen. That's where Samantha B met Jason Jones by playing Sailor Moon <laughs> in one of those things, which you could only find in Toronto. That was like that was the scene. Have you heard that story? No, I have oh, not. That's OK. So Samantha B, um, one of her earliest gigs was playing Sailor Moon in a in a stage show in Toronto back in like 1995, 1996. And during one of the shows when she she was playing the part. Um, Jason Jones was playing Tuxedo Mask. That's how they met and eventually got married and then <laughs> then went up on The Daily Show and now are pursuing their own projects, including Samantha Bee's own show on, on TBS, which is hilarious. And, and this is not like a half-truth that's floating around. Uh, Samantha Bee herself actually confirmed that verbatim in, in an interview at one time, un, unprovoked. Sadly, there are no pictures or videos of it around. If, if anybody has pictures or videos of that... Uh, Please, please send them to me. I need. I, I would love to see that. But that's the cultural apex right there. Well, Cameron, thanks a lot for coming on. Where can where can the the folks at home find you? Uh, the site's name is Glorioski. Um, the website is SweetBozer.com. That was because it was an old company name of mine, or like yours as company. It was called SweetBozer Entertainment. Just kind of an artifact I need to get rid of. Send money. That's often how it goes. I mean that's yeah. why this show is still called Zonend Canada because I just kept I just kept renewing the domain name every year even after my old my old website went away so I just I just rolled with it uh, but people remember it so you know it worked out. Hey, so just a couple things I forgot to mention in this episode: the English language version of the new Beyblade series, Beyblade Burst, will be having its world debut on Teletoon on Saturday, September 10th at 3 p.m. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it is something. The show was dubbed at Ocean Studios, and that may be of interest to some. Also of note, uh, the Iron Man anime is actually still running regularly on Family Charge, and that suggests that it's actually not doing too badly. Uh, if you want to see them air more anime, uh, be sure to keep spreading the word about that, and also send them your feedback to let them know that you want to see similar programs. That said and done, I hope you enjoyed this episode. The theme song is by Ultraclystron. You can find his stuff at ultraclystron.com. If you want to contact me, you can do so through the contact form at zonan.ca, through email, zonancanada at gmail.com, or by Twitter, at zonancanada. As always, if you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again! <laughs>